0: Yes, thank you, Pastor Gary, and hey, good on you for getting here. First Sunday of the year, what a way to start your year in the house of God, uh, declaring goodness and grace over your life for 2023. Um, so Layla will be fantastic next next Sunday morning, um, so just um, in, this, in this month uh, of January, um, so I'm here today, obviously, you can see me, touch me, feel me. Um, but uh, I'm a we're away in Edithburg next week and uh, just having a bit of time out with the gang, um, my gang, my family. And uh, so Layla will be here. We'll be back here on the 16th um, and the 22nd, uh, rumour has it, Pastor David will be here with you um, and we'll be in Moonta for a bit of a family break then. And then the 29th is an important Sunday and it's a Sunday to mark in your diary. Uh, I want to make sure that everyone knows that this is a Sunday to be here in church, the 29th. Uh, will be Pastor Gary and Pastor Jane's uh, last uh, Sunday service uh, officially as um, as senior pastors here. And we want to celebrate them, we want to honour them and we want to really uh, sow into them. Pastor Gary has a word that he's going to bring and he's going to share, but we're really going to celebrate them and really want to make sure that you're here um, as Pastor Gary transitions into um, another role within the life of the church as a father figure and as someone who's going to be working... Uh, in our community space and doing so much more, which he can tell you about um, in his own time. Uh, you know, uh, I will not butcher it and just give you a hundred other jobs um, that you'll be doing as well. Um, so, 29th is, of January is a really important Sunday um, for you to be here and to honour the last 20 years and the legacy and everything. That not that you're dying, not that you're going anywhere, um, <laughs> but we want to honour and we want to cele- well, we celebrate. Um, all that you guys have achieved and all that you've imparted into this congregation, into this church. Um, and then February 5th, so February 5th is our Vision Sunday. So February 5th is an important Sunday. Be here in church Sunday, February 5th, that's Vision Sunday. So you'll, um, Pastor David will be sharing and we'll you know, hear uh, some of the great things that are going to be happening throughout the year and some of the direction and the vision of Revival City Church for 2023. It's going to be a good year. Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, well, let's get into the word. Um, it's ten thirty-three. I've been told that uh, we're going to be out of here by midday at the latest. No, <laughs> eleven o'clock. Eleven o'clock. So twenty-seven minutes. Let's see how we go. Luke chapter one. I kind of feel like this is semi a semi Christmas, Christmas message, but not a Christmas message, um, which is kind of like today. So we've still got some Christmas decorations, um, but it's not really Christmas anymore. It's kind of in between. Um, so this is kind of that type of message. It's an in between. It's kind of Christmas. It's kind of not. Luke chapter 1 starts in verse 26. Um, and I'm not going to read the whole passage, but Luke chapter 1, 26, this is where Gabriel appears to Mary. So Gabriel, the archangel, he appears to Mary, the young uh, girl who was to become Jesus' mother. And he gives her the, the information. He gives her the the word from God, He gives her the promise that she's going to give birth to the Saviour. Um, And He he says that He will be great and He will be called the Son of the Highest and the Lord God will give Him the throne of His father David and He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of His kingdom there will be no end. Now uh, Gabriel appearing to Mary, telling her that she's going to have an immaculate conception and that uh, this this is what He's going to do. I mean, I haven't had anyone appear to me or give me a prophetic word over my children like this, um, but it's a pretty good prophetic word over the life of your child. Um, And the angel angel, uh, said to her, to Gabriel, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born is called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel of the Lord departed from her. So Luke is the author of this particular Gospel. And Luke is someone who is known as a doctor. He's someone who's known for his details. And he opens the book of uh, this particular book, this first chapter of saying that he's actually gone and he's interviewed eyewitnesses. Yeah. So it's very, very safe to assume that Luke has actually sat down with Mary and gotten her story yeah. and written it down. Yeah. So what we have here is is an eyewitness account of her story, of what happened to her. You know, I remember plain as day the moment that I got called into ministry. I remember plain as day some of the divine moments... Yeah. And interactions that I've had and this is Mary recalling the divine uh, interaction that she had and it's a it's a reliable historical document Any historian will tell you that this is uh, more reliable than any other historical document that you'd find that this is a true account of what happened. So Mary is a young girl she's betrothed to Joseph you know the story she's visited by Gabriel gets a pretty awesome word that you're going to give birth to the Savior. You know, this is that moment where, you know, the, the God who is, who is immeasurable, who's, who's someone who's infinite, becomes an infant. He's the creator of heavens and earth. He's the all-powerful. He's the everlasting God and He becomes an, a helpless baby. But this first chapter of Luke, it talks so much more than just about the one pregnancy. You know, there's one pregnancy that we talk about quite often, Um, the Virgin Mary and the Virgin birth, we talk about that because quite obviously, um, you know, it's an important pregnancy, you know, giving birth to the Saviour, the story of Jesus' birth and coming into the world is quite an important story, especially at this time of year. But there were two pregnancies that were talked about in the book of Luke. And the second one was Elizabeth. See, Elizabeth and Zacharias, they're uh, advanced, they're old in age and Elizabeth is barren, so she hasn't been able to have children her whole life. And Gabriel also appears to Zacharias, Elizabeth's husband, and tells her, You're going to conceive a baby, and gives a, a, a great prophecy about that particular baby as well, who becomes John the Baptist. You know, the thing about Jesus is that you know he goes on and he's he's the Messiah, he does all the miracles and 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 Mary's young, and she's kind of the cool one. And Elizabeth's old, and her son goes on to wear camel's hair and and eat locusts and honey, and he's kind of like the weird kid, you know. Um, but he's nonetheless, he's he's a man of God, and he's a prophet, a prophet. You know, sometimes in life it's like that that we 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 look and we see people and we think they're the cool one, they're the one that gets all the the blessings and they're the ones that get all the prophecies, they're the ones that all their dreams come true and everything that God says comes to pass. You know, sometimes we can compare our lives to those people as well. We can be like Elizabeth. You know, we can get on Instagram and we're scrolling through and we see Luke and Naomi, uh, sorry, Naomi and Aaron posting photos. Um, Luke and Naomi are another couple who I haven't been in the same church as for about six years. So, sorry sorry about that. Amy and Aaron posting photos of their brand new house. You know, that beautiful view in the backyard. And thinking, oh, God always blesses them, but he never blesses me. I got promised that I'd get a house, but it still hasn't come to pass. You know, Elizabeth is the one who, who never gets her miracles. She's waited year after year after year. She's watched other people. All she's wanted was a baby. All she's wanted is lineage, all she's wanted is a son and she's watched year after year as her friends get pregnant, as their children get grandchildren, as, as people grow old and they're getting a, a, a lineage, they're getting descendants, they're getting a family, they're getting so much more and she's watching and, and she's the one that seems to be forgotten about. But Elizabeth's miracle is no less impressive than Mary's because when you consider Zacharias and Elizabeth, where they're at, they're both advanced in age and a lot of people would say they'd be about 80 or 90 years of age, that she's barren, that she hasn't been able to have children, that the promise that she wanted as a newlywed couple, as a couple that would have come together, has, has never come to pass. And she's the one that gets pregnant. You know, Luke chapter 1 gives us so much information on Zacharias and Elizabeth's angelic announcement. In fact, it's probably more than we get about Mary's, but Mary's is the one that we know all about. See, Zacharias was a priest, and earlier in the chapter in, in Luke, he describes him, uh, or both of them, as both blameless and uh, both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Zacharias goes to Jerusalem to serve in the in the temple, which is a rare opportunity. He gets in the temple and he's serving as a priest. He goes right into the inner sanctuary and all of a sudden he has an angelic encounter and Gabriel says to him, your prayers have been heard. After all these years, your prayers have been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call him John. And then Gabriel goes on to make a bold declaration about all that John will do and Zacharias goes home, he finishes his priestly duties and he goes home. Elizabeth gets pregnant and six months later, the, the Gabriel appears to Mary and he tells her about Jesus and he finishes with this bold proclamation. Gabriel makes this statement and he says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. See, this is a word given to Mary about Elizabeth to strengthen Mary's faith after hearing the massive news that she just heard. And I believe that this is a word for us today as we begin 2023. You see, just like Elizabeth, you may have had dreams that have come and gone and you think that they're dead and buried and they're never coming to pass. In the natural, I can't see how that can happen. I can't see, just as Zacharias and Elizabeth couldn't see naturally how they could conceive a baby and give birth to a son, we look at our situation and the promises of God for our lives and we can't see how they'll come to pass. There is no natural way possible for this to happen. Is dead, it is gone, I've given up hope, And just like Elizabeth, maybe you felt the shame of a promise of God that's not come to pass. Maybe you felt the disappointment and even the dishonour of a promise that was given to you years ago that hasn't come to pass. Maybe you feel the weight of a promise that was given to you years ago or even recently and you feel like it is impossible and it just can't come to pass. But 2023 is a time to believe again. It's a time to dream again. It's a time to claim back what the enemy has taken. You know, this last three or four years has been a wild ride. And even now, as we reflect back on what happened over COVID, and even the five years before that, we start to think about all the different things that the enemy has taken. And it's time for us to start getting a little bit angry, to get a little bit upset at that scoundrel and say, this is the year that I'll take back what the enemy has taken from me. 2023 is the year of the impossible. Yeah. This morning, in the remaining 17 minutes, I want to look at four keys to the miraculous for us to walk in in 2023. Luke chapter 1, verse 6. Luke says the, that Zacharias. And Elizabeth were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. First point today is we need to walk in righteousness. See, the first thing Zacharias and Elizabeth wanted when they got married, as any newly married couple would have been, to have a child, to have a son, to have an heir, to be able to grow a family, to be able to grow so much more. You know, for us, children are a blessing and we love to see them grow up. And we love to see them do well and excel and build their own families. But for so many people in the world today, but also historically, children are a support system. They're a social network. When you grow old, they'll be able to social they'll be able to support you. They'll be able to financially provide for you when you're no longer able to work anymore. You know, children are so much more than just a blessing. They're a vital part of you. They're also a sign of God's blessing. They're a sign that God loves you and that He's blessed you and that He's 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 growing your family and He's growing your lineage. You see, family meant so much more than just a beautiful picture on Instagram. You know, family meant so much more in that time and even across the world today than just an opportunity for us to have little mini-me's running around the world, which I do like. Um, you know, I love having... My daughters, and we love to go to the basketball together. We got, love to do all sorts of things together. But family is so much more than that. And I can imagine the pain that Elizabeth would face as all her friends start to get married. And then all her friends start to have children. Those children are celebrating their birthdays. Those children are starting to get married themselves. All her friends, as she's getting older, all those children are now having grandchildren. And there she is every morning. God, won't You bless me? Won't You bless me with a child? Won't You bless me with a son? Year after year, decade after decade after decade, Elizabeth praying those prayers and Zacharias as well. Who's going to care for us in our old age? Who's going to carry my family legacy? What does this say about God's favour towards us? I can just imagine Elizabeth and everything within her and everything within Zacharias would have led them to a season of bitterness. But every day they chose up to and chose not to get bitter. They chose to walk blameless and in righteousness. They chose not to get angry with God. They chose not to slip back and, and start, maybe I don't shouldn't come to church as much, maybe I need to protect myself from the promises of God that He's put over my life. Maybe I need to insulate myself and and hide away and maybe I need to close off some of those friends that would have spoken faith and would have spoken life. Maybe I should just skip coming to church every now and then because every time I come it reminds me of failed promises or or broken dreams or or things that have meant to have passed but they are long gone now. But the thing about Elizabeth and Zacharias is they kept a clean hands and a pure heart. In fact, not only did they keep going to church or to the synagogue, but Zacharias was a pastor. He was a priest. Where where did you find him after all these years of bitterness and betrayal and, and hurt? He's serving the house of God. What an amazing man of God that they choose to walk in righteousness, they choose to walk blameless before God, that the hurt that's gone before them isn't anything compared to the glory of knowing God and walking alongside Him. Psalm 24 verse 3 says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord or who may stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Clean hands and a pure heart. You know, there have been so many things that have happened to me over my lifetime and I could have chosen to get bitter. I could have chosen to hold on to unforgiveness. I could have chosen to dwell in that, in that bog of, of shame and, and discouragement. But this is a scripture that's spoken to me over so many years. Clean hands and a pure heart. Clean hands is, is your actions, your behaviours and your habits. What are we doing? How? What am I doing? What am I saying? What are my habits? What are the things that, that I'm actually physically doing? And then the clean heart is your soul, your, your emotions and your thought life. Choosing to remain with clean hands and a pure heart, that every action that i take would be one that is godly and every thought that I take would be one that comes from God above. Yeah. Now, if we wanna walk in the miraculous in 2023, if we wanna see those dreams come to pass, that God's placed in your heart, the prophetic words that have been put over this church as a whole, then we need to walk in righteousness. Yeah. We need to walk with clean hands and a pure heart. If we have bitterness or shame or we have discouragement or unforgiveness, today is the day, the very start of the year, to begin to let those go, yeah. to begin to release them and to begin to move on and to be able to walk in righteousness. Yeah. And I just saw Julie Day. It threw me a little bit. It's Julie. Everyone say hi, oh, Julie. Julie's part of the staff at Modbury, um, well, Revival City, Mount Barker as well, and she's amazing. Welcome, Julie. That threw me. (laughs) See your face. Number two. Four keys to the miraculous in 2023. First, walk in righteousness. Second, get a word. See, both Mary and Elizabeth got a word from God. They got a promise from God directly from an angel. Um, I've had many words from God over the years, I've had none of them come directly from an angel. Sarah gives me many words, um, and she's angelic. Not all of them are, not all of them are from God, though. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and, and Gabriel says, for with God nothing is impossible. You see, we can interpret this as, you know, all things are possible. Anything is possible. Whatever I want, whatever it is, if it's with God, if, if God is in it, then everything is possible. And we can misinterpret it, but it actually means, and in the Greek and in, in the context that it's written, it literally means what God has said, proposed, or promised. His word, everything that He's said, everything that He's declared, everything that He's spoken, and everything that's been predicted by His prophets—that is—that will come to pass. It can't be stopped. It can't be stopped from coming. You know, we need a word from God. You know, that nothing that's in there for. With God, nothing it is more like no word of God. And we need a word from God. Yeah. You know, it could be a, a rhema word from God. The rhema word is that word that is for you, for now and for this season. Elizabeth and Mary or Mary got a word from God that was very clear for her season. Yeah. I have never taken that scripture to, as a rhema word from me because I have never had the ability to get pregnant Um you know what I mean. The the, the Rhema word is a word that is specific for you in your season and for your time. But then there's also the Logos word, which is the written word, which is the Bible. And I've had many Rhema words. I remember when uh, Jackie Hall visited Sejuna in the year 2000, or maybe late 1999, and she called me down the front, and she grabbed me by the hand, and she prophesied over me that I'd be uh, that I'm called for ministry, and that I need to get study. I need to study. I need to get approved. And she said a bunch of other things that, you know, between me and God. But I remember that moment clearly. That was a rhema word from God. I remember when Gillian Cameron, she came to LifePoint Church, Revival City Church, and she spoke a word over me. She said, now's the time. Don't look. You know, it was a time when I wasn't in ministry, but I was about to step into ministry and she gave a prophetic word. I remember when Steve McCracken came and he said to me, God is with you and He's giving you a kingdom. I remember these rhema words that I get. And you might say to me today, Phil, I haven't ever had a rhema word, but I can tell you, you've got plenty of words for you in the Logos, in, in the Word of God. Whatever your season, God's Word has a promise for you. If you're looking for comfort, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 4, He comforts us in all our troubles. If you need healing, Isaiah 53 verse 5, By His stripes you are healed. If you're looking for provision, Luke 6.38, It will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running out all over. If you're looking for courage, Joshua 1 verse 9, Be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you. If you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling anxious, then Psalm thirty, verse one, he says, "He's turned our mourning into dancing. He's given us the oil of joy for the oil of sorrow." You know, he is. He's promised us so many things, and these are the things that we stand on as we go through twenty twenty-three. These are the words of God. This is what we can stand on because with God, no word that He's spoken will be impossible. You don't have to walk in depression and anxiety. There's a word there that says you can have the oil of joy. You don't have to walk in in, in, in in fear and in lack because there's a Word for every season that you're in. If you're feeling lonely, Matthew 28, verse 20, be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end. The Word of God is full of promises for you and your life and we need to stand on the promises of God, You may have received a rhema, Word from God and a promise for your season, maybe about your children, maybe about your marriage, maybe about your career. Then you need to stand on that Word from God. But if you say to me today, I haven't received one, then your Bible is full of words. It's full of promises. It's full of things that you can stand on. And we need to stand on the Word of God. We need to know the Word of God. We need to get it in us. We need to be able to repeat it. When the devil comes to attack us, we need to be able to come back at him and say to him, be bold and courageous for the Lord your God is with me. We need to build ourselves up. We need to be able to say all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We need to be able to say God is with me always, even to the end, that Jesus has come, that I might have life and I might have it to the full. We need to be able to repeat the promises of God over our lives because these are the things that we can stand on. We need to be able to walk in righteousness. We need to be able to get a word from God. And then third, we need to be able to walk out that word. See, Zacharias and Elizabeth walked in righteousness, right up even up until that point where they got that promise of God fulfilled. But they chose to then, once that angel appeared to Gabriel, they chose to walk out the word of God that was over their lives. Zacharias and Elizabeth, they're, well, they're advanced in age and they had a baby. I'll let you do the maths on that. We've got children here. But they got a word from God and they had to walk it out. What is the word that you have been given? Is it a word for inner healing that this is the year now to start walking in forgiveness? Is it for your family to be, sa- to be saved and this is the year to share God's love? This is the year to start inviting them to church. This is the year if you've been praying for your husband. If you've been praying for your wife, if you've been praying for your grandchildren, this is the year now to start walking out those prayers. This is the year to begin sowing seeds of faith, to begin sowing seeds into their life. You don't know what other conversations that they might have had with other people in the community that might have brought them closer to the point of accepting Jesus. You know, this is the. Year. I know there are people that have been praying for husbands and wives to be saved year after year. This is the year of salvation. This is the year that we're going to see them in church worshipping God, you've been praying for grandchildren to be saved, you've been praying for children that you have a broken relationship with, this is the year that that will be restored. But that's up to us to take the first step towards restoration. It's up to us to walk in the faith that God has given us. If you dream for financial freedom, then this is the year to commit to regular tithing. Are you called to ministry? Then this is the year to study at Bible college. Is it a career calling? Then maybe this is the year for you to study and get approved. This is the year to put a step of action to the Word of God that has been given you. The Word you've been given, it's time to walk in that Word. Every step you take is a step of faith and a step of trust and it's a seed. Every time that you step in faith, it's a seed in faith that will bring about the, 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 the Word of God over your life to pass. You see... I can read a car manual. I can, I can watch YouTube instructional videos on how to drive a car. I can watch and learn as much as I can from great drivers and safe drivers like Pastor Gary. Um, I, can, I can get lessons and, and be shown so many different things about how to drive and I can learn all about it. But that car will never operate unless I put the key in and turn the ignition on. You know, faith is the key. Faith is the key to unlocking the miraculous in your life, but it's your actions that turn the key and open the door. Your faith needs action. The Word of God that you've been given over your life, it needs action attached to it. It needs something attached to it. God might have said that you're going to walk in prosperity. Well, this is the year to look at financial freedom and how do I do that? You know, God might have said that your children will be saved. Well, today's the day for us to start calling them and, and witnessing, yeah, not in a way that's going to drive them away, not in a way that's super weird, but in a way that's normal. You know, I just want you to know God loves you. He cares for you. Would you love to come to church? You know, we've got Easter coming up and that's scary to think about, but Christmas and Easter are the two times of the year that anyone will come to church. If you've got grandchildren that are away from God, if you've got children that are away from God, a husband or a wife, maybe this is the time to invite them to one of those services. James 2 verse 17 says, Faith by itself does not have, if it does not have works, it is dead. Your faith needs action attached to it. Four keys to the miraculous in 2023. Walk in righteousness, get a word, and thirdly, believe the word. And lastly, give it to God. You see, it says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. With God. It would mean in the presence of God or alongside God. You know the prayers and the promises that we've been given, and the and, and and the dreams that have been placed in our heart. It's time for us to give them back to God, for with God, nothing will be impossible, because God is the one who brings about the past, brings to pass the dreams that He's placed in your life. If it's possible for you to do, then it's not a dream from God. If it's impossible and it seems unlikely, and I don't know how I'm going to get it, well, that's God's specialty. That's where God operates. God operates in the impossible. God is the great I am. If He's promised you healing, God says, I am the Lord that heals. If He's promised you provision, that you would own your own properties, that you'd live in financial freedom, that you wouldn't be bound by mortgages or or whatever it is, then He says, I am Jehovah Jireh, the Lord your provider. I will provide all your needs. You know, a word from God can't be stopped. God is the great I am. Whatever it is that he's promised you, he will fulfil it. I'm going to close with this story. You know, I remember when I was was 19 years of age, I had a cousin, his name was James, and he was 16. And uh, he got diagnosed with cancer, um, uh, bowel cancer, in about the middle of January, and this would be, you know, 20 two, twenty-three years ago. And and he was a part of the youth group at Paradise. And we all prayed. We all interceded. We all fasted. We all did everything. You know, we doused him in holy oil, um, did everything that we knew to do. And God chose not to heal him, but God chose to take him home to heaven. And, you know, it 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 was a very quick battle that he had. It was about three months And I remember, I remember thinking, "Is God, God not a healer? Is God, does God not heal? Um, You know, this is, this is my flesh and blood. This is my cousin. We were reasonably close, as cousins are. And even that whole youth group. And and he was at, he was at, um, at school at a good Christian school, and they all prayed, and everyone, there have been thousands of people praying and believing." I sort of sit on that and I dwell on that and and it didn't for me affect my call to ministry, but it's something that I hang on in you know, it's something that sits in the back of your mind. And you know, I move on and as time goes by I start stepping into ministry and I start growing in a bit of my own boldness and I start praying for people to be healed with this in the back of my mind. And I'm praying for people, and and you know, I see a back get healed over here. I see someone who's had knee issues. years their knee gets healed. I remember praying for someone a few years ago and and they'd had an accident at a bottle factory and the molten glass had sort of um, burnt them and they hadn't had the movement in their arm and so you know God completely healed it. You know they were on work cover and they weren't able to work and then God healed it completely. Um, You know there was someone recently at church and we prayed and and their shoulder, they hadn't been able to lift their shoulder, their their arm above their shoulder, and you know, within within an instant, they were able to you know move their arm like complete miracles of healing. Yeah. And then I've got to marry the two together, where I have my my cousin James on the one hand, who we prayed and interceded for, and we asked and we prayed, and 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 he went home to be with his father in heaven. Then I have on the other hand demonstrable real miracles that. I personally have prayed for people and seen healing over people's lives. You know, I know there was people that I've prayed for that have come to me and they need uh, specialist appointments, they need surgeries and they've been waiting years and years and I pray for them and red tape is cut and by the end of the week it's all booked in, they're all good to go and I look at these miracles and I think these are impossible things that God has done but then I hold it in, in, in tension with what I know to be true over here as well. So what do I know? What do I know to be true? I know that God is the healer, but I don't understand His ways. I don't understand. And I could choose to let this stop me from pursuing the impossible in God. This could stop me from believing that God is a healer. This could stop me from praying the prayers. This could stop me from interceding for other people because this is a reality, but the reality is I don't understand. And if I had let this stop me and strip away my faith, then this would never have happened. This would never have happened. What I know about our faith is that we need to continually believe that God is good, believe that He is just, believe that He is the miracle worker, the way maker. And I need to continually be asking, seeking and knocking. This was a very tough experience and a sad experience for my life. And I know we've all experienced loss and unanswered prayers. And I don't understand I don't know why God didn't come through, but I can't allow that to be the place where I stay. Because if that is the place that I stay, then this would never have happened. God is still the healer. God is still the provider. And it's up to me to continually be asking, seeking and knocking, to continually be be calling out to God and to continually stand. And when someone comes forward at the altar call for healing, then I lay my hands on them and I pray the prayer of faith. I say in the Name of Jesus, by Your Word, through the power of the Holy Ghost, be healed. And the reality is that that healing isn't up to me. I never read anywhere in the Scripture that said, my name is Phil and I am the healer. My name is Phil and I am the provider. Jesus says, come to me. I am the healer. I am the provider. And it's up to me to come, to keep coming. And even though disappointment and discouragement and and hurt and betrayal and, and unforgiveness and bitterness might be over here, it's up to me to continually be coming. I still come to Jesus. And if you come to me for prayer, I will believe and I will pray for you in the name of Jesus. I will pray that the Holy Ghost, the Healer, would touch you and completely heal you. And I will do it with full faith, believing that He can and believing that He wants to. And I will do that because this doesn't define me. This defines me, what the Word of God says. I choose to walk in righteousness. I choose not to let bitterness and hurt get a root inside of me. I choose to get a Word from God and to stand on the Word of God. And I choose to act on that Word of God. I choose to keep acting on that Word of God, no matter what my feelings or emotions or even what my mind tells me, because that can lie to you. Your emotions and your mind can lie to you, but the Word of God will never fail. 2023, I know we've all had hurt. I know we've all had betrayal. I know that the enemy has taken ground from us. But 2023 is the year that it's coming back. It's turning around. 2023 is the year of the impossible. And I have to tell you, if we don't believe it, then what are we doing here? 2023 is gonna be a great year. You're gonna finish this year and you're gonna call yourself blessed. You're gonna finish this year and you're gonna see relationships restored. You're gonna see your finances in a better position. This church will be healthy and it will continue to grow and build on the great work that has been done in the last 20 years. We are looking at blessing and favour because I don't want to live a faith of depression and anxiety and emptiness. God is a real God. And if He said it, I will stand on it and I will believe it. I may not understand it, but I will still choose to stand on it. Do you believe it this morning, church? Won't you stand with me as we come to a close? Seven minutes over. Pastor Gary can dock my pay. (laughs) Nah. Why don't we lift our hands to heaven? And as we lift our hands to heaven this morning, what are we doing? We're giving all our depression, our hurts, our bitterness, past dreams, past things that have, haven't come to pass. We give them back to God and we say, they're your dreams. I am your child. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. I declare it in the name of Jesus. This is a year of healing. This is a year of breakthrough. This is a year of the prodigals coming home. This is a year of restored relationships. This is a year of career growth and career exponentially blowing out the window. This is a year that we will see children restored to parents, husbands restored to wives, that we will see families strengthened, bank balances strengthened, your kingdom growing and expanding and we declare it in the Name of Jesus. We declare it because You said it. You said that the gates of hell will not prevail against the army of the Lord and we stand on that Word. We say, move God, move in our circumstances, move in our situations, move in this church. And we ask all of this in the mighty... And precious name of Jesus. And a grateful church said together, Amen, Amen, Amen. Amen. Hey, what a great Sunday in church.